Hey guys, welcome back and thanks for joining me. I'm your host Sherry and you are listening to From the Dark Side. I've been away on vacation so it feels good to be back here with you guys. Today's case is famously known as the first of its kind. We have a man who commits violent crimes and there's no doubt that he did it. Was it really his fault though? Was he a victim of mental illness or just a lying psychopath? This is a complex story, and a TV series was even based on his life. I haven't seen it, but I will eventually. There's also a four-part documentary on Netflix, which I haven't seen either. If you can't tell, I'm like way behind on my TV watching. The M. Night Shyamalan movie Split was loosely based on him. I did watch that one a while back. This is episode 84, The Case of Billy Milligan. This story takes place between 1975 and 1978, so I'll give you some facts from 1976, since that's the median here, almost. The Apple Computer Company was formed by Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. Jimmy Carter won the presidential election. People were lining up at the theater to watch a new movie called Rocky. The average monthly rent was $220. American billionaire Howard Hughes, who had been a recluse for 20 years, died at the age of 70. The VHS tape was introduced in Japan and the following year could be purchased in the rest of the world. And lastly, Andre the Giant famously consumed 119 beers in six hours. I can't even consume six beers in six hours. I can't imagine 119. Billy Milligan is an interesting guy, but he's not just one man. He claims he has 24 different people living inside of him. He's just the vessel that carries them around. He has no control over what they do. I'll get into who his other personalities are in a bit. Multiple personality disorder is known these days as dissociative identity disorder. The change in the name happened in 1993. According to the American Psychiatric Association, Dissociative identity disorder is associated with overwhelming experiences, traumatic events, and or abuse that occurred in childhood. It also says the symptoms are the existence of two or more distinct identities or personality states. The distinct identities are accompanied by changes in behavior, memory, and thinking. The signs and symptoms may be observed by others or reported by the individual. Ongoing gaps in memory about everyday events, personal information, and or past traumatic events. The symptoms cause significant distress or problems in social occupation or other areas of functioning. It also states the attitude and personal preferences, for example, about food, activities, and clothes of a person with dissociative identity disorder may suddenly shift and then shift back. 
The shift in identities happens involuntarily. They are unwanted and cause distress. People with dissociative identity disorder may feel that they suddenly have become observers of their own speech and actions, or their bodies may feel different, like they may be a small child, they may be the opposite gender, or huge and muscular. So basically, if I was a person with this condition, I could be functioning myself as Sherry, your host, and then I could involuntarily switch to a five-year-old child who is in the Victorian era suffering with influenza. A couple hours later, I could be a pop singer. Tomorrow, I could be an 80-year-old man named Joseph with nine grandchildren. You guys understand what I'm getting at by now, I'm sure. There's no way to tell when the next personality will take over or what that personality will do. Let's start at the beginning and where it all began with Billy. Billy Milligan was born in Miami on February 14, 1955, as William Stanley Morrison. His parents are John and Dorothy. John was a comedian and Dorothy was a singer. He had a brother named Jim and a sister named Kathy. When Billy was four years old in 1960, his father committed suicide. He had previously attempted suicide by drinking and taking sleeping pills, but he was saved when his wife found him. The next attempt was successful when he used carbon monoxide. Dorothy, now the single mom of three young children, couldn't make ends meet on her own salary as a singer, so she packed up her kids and moved back to Ohio to remarry her ex-husband, who she had been divorced from for years. Things didn't work out with him, and a year later, she met a man named Chalmer Milligan. Chalmer had an ex-wife and kids himself. He and Dorothy married in 1963 when Billy was eight years old. This was his fifth marriage. Chalmer adopted Dorothy's three kids, which is why Billy's name is now Billy Milligan and not Billy Morrison. Billy's new stepdad, Chalmer, begins turning abusive shortly after he and Dorothy were married. Years later, Billy would claim that he was physically and sexually abused by Chalmer throughout his childhood. He was scared to tell anyone because his stepdad told him he would bury him alive if he spoke a word about it. Years later, Chalmer denied all of these allegations, saying that back then he wouldn't have had time to do all of those crazy things, and they are lying. But Billy's brother and sister and mom all claim he is telling the truth. Chalmer died in 1988 at the age of 61 and was never charged with any abuse. As a young teen, Billy began showing signs of having major issues. We learned that having a piece of shit stepdad had a lot to do with it. He was admitted to a mental institution and diagnosed with hysterical neurosis. This is a condition that causes you to have frequent outbursts. It's given to a lot of young people who have been sexually abused or heavily traumatized. I'm no psychologist here, nor do I work in that field, so I can't really speak much more on the condition. After a few months, Billy is removed from the mental institution due to his behavior. He then gets kicked out of high school. At 17, he enlisted in the Navy, but after two months, he was discharged because it was obvious he couldn't deal with that environment either. Billy is suffering with multiple personality disorder, likely due to all the abuse he suffered as a child. He developed nine different personalities. Eventually, he will have 24, but for now it's just nine, some male and some female who were all between the ages of three and 23. 
The ultimate goal for doctors who have patients with this condition is to fuse the separate personalities together to become one personality. Some of these personalities, though, that Billy has are pleasant and some are beginning to turn violent. And this is when Billy, or the personalities, begins turning to crimes. In 1975, Billy was arrested and charged with armed robbery and rape. He would be paroled in 1977 and had to register as a sex offender. On October 14, 1977, when Billy was just 22 years old, he approached an optometry student at the Ohio State campus parking lot. He ordered her to a wooded area and raped her. Afterwards, he made her write a check and cash it for him. Just eight days later, he raped another student. Five days later, a third rape takes place. This time, a photo collage of mugshots was given to the victim, and she pointed out Billy's picture, saying it was 100% definitely him. Billy had been arrested before for armed robbery, and they were able to tie his fingerprints to one of the victim's cars. There isn't a doubt that Billy raped these three women. They have all this evidence. But his team will claim he is not criminally responsible for them. The investigators begin noticing some weird things about Billy. Something is up with this guy. He's not your average criminal. An Ohio State police officer who rode with Billy to the Columbia Police Headquarters said, quote, I couldn't tell you what was going on, but it was like I was talking to different people at different times. The three women who were the victims each said he was different. One said that he told her his name was Phil and he was Jewish and spoke with an accent. The second said he spoke with a German accent. And the third said he was so nice to her during the ordeal that she would have considered dating him if the circumstances were different. Since he had used a gun and guns were found in a search of his house, he had violated his parole. He was indicted on three counts of kidnapping, three counts of aggravated robbery, and four counts of rape. He then stayed in the Ohio State Penitentiary while awaiting his trial. Billy would be evaluated by a team of psychiatrists. The defense needs some kind of strategy for why these crimes took place. They finally have an explanation and were shocked to learn that Billy has multiple personality disorder. It started when a psychiatrist sat down with him and he replied, Billy's asleep. I'm David. Apparently, Billy had been asleep for several years, but each time he wakes up, he feels extreme guilt and suicidal. These personalities have completely taken over. Billy is a very rare character, even though he's the main character who hardly makes an appearance. For Billy, when he changed personalities, physically his eyes would kind of roll back into the back of his head and he would snap into the next personality. A psychiatrist named George T. Harding and a psychoanalyst named Cornelia Wilbur, who has lots of experience with people who have this disorder, were hired to work with Billy and figure out what was going on in there. They agreed, along with other psychologists, that Billy had multiple personalities. When Dr. Wilbur sat down with Billy, it took a bit to get him to come to. And when she finally got to talk to Billy, he told her, Every time I come to, I'm in some kind of trouble. I wish I were dead. She said he appeared extremely scared and asked what happened. 
she had seen four different personalities in a period of two hours. She also said the other personalities were all concerned about Billy wrestling with suicidal thoughts. She had to persuade them to wake Billy up so she could even talk to him. The two personalities the detectives and psychologists want to know the most about are Reagan, who is the one who is aggressive and speaks with a Slavic accent, and also Adelana, a 19-year-old lesbian. They are the two that are responsible for the rapes. I don't know if another personality told on them or if they confessed, but it was Reagan who robbed the women and Adelana who raped them. This is the first time this type of defense will be used. They claim Billy suffers with multiple personality disorders stemming from the abuse and torture by his stepdad. They also claim Billy, who is the main character, has been asleep and Reagan and Adelana committed the crimes. Billy wouldn't do something like that and, again, was horrified to learn what they had done. Not everyone is buying this idea, though. In fact, many are upset that the focus of the case is Billy's mental health and not on the three victims. According to allthatsinteresting.com, a man named Thomas Saz, who is a professor of psychiatry, says, quote, multiple personality is just a figure of speech. It's nothing but a hoax. How many faces does actress Elizabeth Taylor have? We are all actors, but there is only one person. A psychiatrist in Massachusetts named Dr. Frederick Coplin, who has treated patients with multiple personality disorder, stated, It shouldn't be any different from someone who commits a crime in a drunken stupor. It's really the same thing. Multiple personality is just a dissociative state. But the personalities that emerge are part of a person's personality. He may not be conscious and he may not remember it, but if he's committed a murder, he has a murderous personality inside of him. People worried that if Billy were found not guilty, how many others are going to come forward claiming they have this condition in order to get off from crimes? Billy is going to go on trial and his lawyers have to prove that this diagnosis is correct. According to an article by Ariel Dyer for Sutori, in the course of preparing his defense, he underwent a physiological examination by Dr. Willis C. Driscoll, who diagnosed Billy with acute schizophrenia. He was then examined by psychologist Dorothy Turner of Southwest Community Mental Health Center in Columbus, Ohio. During this examination, she concluded that Billy suffered from multiple personality disorder. His team, which consisted of two public defenders, were able to go back and show proof that as a child, he was known to just wander off. He also was known to space out. By 12 and 13 years old, his teachers noted that Billy appeared to be in a trance-like state for most of the day. By the time he was five years old, he had three other personalities. They were called No-Name Boy, Christine, and Sean. He has a lot of documented behaviors dating back many years that show he has serious mental health issues. They also said none of Billy's personalities remember the crimes. On December 4th, 1978, Billy was acquitted of all nine charges due to the reason of insanity. The charges were three counts of kidnapping, three counts of aggravated robbery, and four counts of rape. This is the first time in recorded history that a defendant was found not guilty due to multiple personality disorder. The prosecution did not contest the ruling. 
They just accepted the verdict because he had been evaluated by nine different professionals who all agreed that Billy was not criminally responsible. He had other personalities that committed the acts instead. Some believe Billy was an an impressive con man and his lawyers are just making this up to keep him out of prison. And others believed he was a troubled product of severe child abuse who had a disorder that makes him not criminally responsible for these acts. The trial seemed to first begin with Billy as a defendant accused of raping several women. Then it became this portrait of Billy as the victim. A relative of one of the victims even stated that the media is making a folk hero of this guy. But the defense never denied he committed the crimes. They just said he wasn't responsible for it and the prosecution never challenged it. Outside of the courthouse, there's lots of protesters. Billy addressed one news reporter saying, I'm not trying to make this sound like a sob story or anything, but perhaps because of my case, fewer parents would abuse their children. Billy isn't just free to go back to living on his own and working a job. Billy is sent to a psychiatric hospital where he is going to have to stay for years. Legally, he could be freed if the psychologist deemed him fit for release and felt he was not a danger to the public. While staying in the psychiatric hospital, he received treatment from a psychiatrist named Dr. David Call. He worked with him a good bit. It was determined that Billy had at least 10 different main personalities, eight male and two female, I'll go through these personalities of Billy's. All of these I was able to gather from a Columbia Dispatch article from 2007. A few times I mention being on the spot. That means that is the personality who is up and active. For example, Adelana could steal the spot from others. She could make the previous one go back in and she would pop out. So we have Billy, age 23, who is the core personality usually kept asleep by other personalities for his own protection. When on the spot, he tried to commit suicide several times, and this is the original Billy Milligan. The next one is Reagan Vadaskovanich, who is age 23. He is an aggressive Yugoslavian who was the protector of the other personalities and in control during dangerous times. He was sometimes called the keeper of the hate. He spoke with a Slavic accent. He was an expert in weapons and combat and could control his adrenaline to give himself strength. He weighed 210 pounds. He had a mustache and was colorblind. He was one of the two personalities who committed the rapes and robberies. Arthur, age 22, the Englishman who was largely in control during calm periods and decided which of the other personalities would be on the spot. He was the rational planning personality. He studied medicine and science and seemed more intelligent and sophisticated than the others. He also wore glasses. I've seen some photos of Billy when I believe he is Arthur. He looks very dapper and sophisticated. Adelana, age 19, an introverted lesbian who cooks for and cleaned up after the others. She was lonely and wanted love. She could steal the spot from others. She was the second personality who committed the rapes and the robberies. Alan, age 18. He was quick on his feet and was on the spot most often because he could talk his way out of problems. 
He was the only personality who smoked and the only one who was right-handed. He weighed 165 pounds. Tommy, age 16, he could escape from handcuffs and straitjackets. He played the saxophone and was interested in electronics. Danny, age 14, he was scared of most people, especially men. He was short and skinny. Christopher, age 13, he is English like Arthur. He played the harmonica and was rarely on the spot. David, age 8, he came on the spot when the other personalities were in pain and he suffered for the rest. Christine, age 3, and Christine is Christopher's sister. She could read and write but was dyslexic. Reagan, the aggressive Yugoslavian, felt particularly protective of her. There are 13 more personalities that are referred to as the undesirables. Arthur, the proper Englishman, decided that these undesirables should be kept off the spot because they got into trouble or didn't contribute to the well-being of the others. For example, Philip, age 20, had a strong New York accent and committed several crimes. Jason, age 13, threw temper tantrums, so Arthur says they can't be on the spot any longer. And lastly, there is the teacher. The teacher is the one who taught the other personalities about their talents. Now, we know all of these personalities and that they know of each other now. They talk to each other as well. Billy was known to have an extremely high IQ. When each personality was given an IQ test, the results varied. However, Arthur, the sophisticated gentleman personality, declined to take the test. In 1981, while living in the psychiatric hospital, a man named Daniel Keyes contacted Billy about writing a book about his life. Billy thought this would be a great idea. You can buy the book today. It's called The Minds of Billy Milligan. Billy was known to be a really talented painter. You can see his paintings online, and they're really good. As Billy got more famous, he also increased the prices of his paintings. He is profiting from the book sales, so he's doing pretty well for himself. Also, in 1981, he met a woman who was a visitor at the psychiatric hospital. Her name is Tonda Bartley. She had a brother who was there and that she was coming to visit often. Well, her and Billy hit it off and ended up getting married very quickly at the visitor section of the hospital. But after only 51 days of marriage, she wrote him a letter saying goodbye but not before she took some of the profits he had made from the book by Daniel Keyes. Then she filed for divorce. Five years later, we're up to July 4th, 1986 by now. Billy escaped from the Central Ohio Psychiatric Hospital in Columbus. He relocated to Nellingham, Washington. It's been mentioned that his family were the ones who helped him move out west, but I can't confirm that. He started going by the alias Christopher Carr and even had fake documents to back up his new identity. He recorded a video while on the run and he said, First, I would like to make it very clear that I am not a danger or threat to society or anyone else. I left in self-defense. I have a genuine fear for my personal safety and as all I could do is wait until the legal system works itself out. I'm a victim of their politics. He was arrested without incident in November 1986, so he was on the run for four months before he was recaptured. 
He was found sitting at the bar at the Key Biscayne Hotel and Villas in Florida. Sitting with him at the bar was his public defender, Randall Dana. His lawyer, who was from Ohio, was in Florida attending a, co- a law conference. He says he was with Billy because he was making arrangements to have him turn himself in. Now, during the time he was living in Washington, he had a roommate named Michael Madden. Now, I've heard Michael was his roommate, but according to the Charlie Project, they just lived in the same apartment building, so I'm not sure which one to believe because the Charlie Project is a very reputable uh, source and they showcase all the missing persons in the entire United States. Billy lived there for the first two months that he was on the run. See, Billy left Washington after two months, and the reason is because Michael Madden had gone missing and Billy up and moved to Florida. According to the Charlie Project, it said that Michael was last seen on September 15, 1986, by his landlady at his home in Bellingham, Washington. He was a senior at Western Washington University at the time of his disappearance. He was unemployed and lived off of a Veterans Affairs disability pension. He has never been heard from again. It also states that after Michael's disappearance, Billy rented a post office box in Michael's name and diverted Michael's pension checks there, as well as a $7,000 GI Bill check intended for his schooling. Billy also sold Michael's silver Audi a few days after he went missing. Billy is considered a very strong suspect in Michael's disappearance. He was one of the last people known to have seen Michael before he disappeared, and he gave conflicting stories to the police. He has not been charged in connection with Michael's disappearance, however. He stated that Michael had given him his car prior to going missing in payment for a loan and that he had a right to sell it. Michael has been missing for 37 years and no trace of him has ever been found. A cleaner noticed that Billy had some of Michael's belongings and more of Michael's items were found at Billy's cousin's house, including a pair of glasses with blood on them. But back then they didn't have the ability to DNA test and Billy was never charged with anything in connection to Michael. According to History versus Hollywood, Billy was asked in 1990 by his then-girlfriend if he had killed anyone, and he said yes. He said he killed a 23-year-old black man in Logan, Ohio. He didn't say who it was. However, there was a 23-year-old black man who was last seen in 1979, and his name is Dwan Cox. He was friends with Billy. Dewan's car was found abandoned in the Logan, Ohio area, which is the same area Billy said he killed a man in. Like Michael, Dewan's body has never been found. It's apparent that one of these personalities, or Billy himself, could be a serial killer who's capable of committing murders and never having the body surface. Dewan has been missing for 44 years. After Billy is returned to the psychiatric hospital in Columbus, Ohio, This is November 1986. Almost two years would go by, and Billy is set to be released. In 1988, Billy was released from all psychiatric wards and hospitals after psychiatrists determined that all of his personalities had finally fused together and he was back to his normal core self. For three years, he was still monitored. 
1989, a local gallery did an art show featuring Billy's work, and it caused a whole lot of controversy. Billy was still supervised during this time, but in 1991, he was as free as he could be. He no longer had to check in with anyone and could live a normal life without supervision. It was around this time that Billy reached out to James Cameron. Yes, that James Cameron, one of the best filmmakers of all time. He wanted James Cameron to collaborate on a movie about his life. According to HistoryVersusHollywood.com, there were negotiations that didn't take place and financial changes. Billy ended up suing James Cameron, and for that reason, James was like, I'm not going to work with you. We're done here. Saying, quote, He was running around creating more chaos, filing lawsuits. It turned into madness. The film was going to star Leonardo DiCaprio as Billy, but it didn't work out. James Cameron instead went on to work on Terminator 2. The movie may have been squashed, but another producer grabbed the idea and made a TV series on Apple TV Plus in 2021. In 1996, this is five years since Billy has been unsupervised and living on his own, he had to file bankruptcy. The Ohio Attorney General's filed a motion to receive $150,000 of the royalties Billy received from Daniel Key's book about him. That's equivalent to $292,000 in 2023. The reason was because the state had spent over $500,000 on his treatment through the years, or $974,000 today. In 1998, the state settled with him for a smaller amount, which was $120,000. But according to APNews.com, the state has received $170,000 from Billy. In an article by Viswa Venapali, With Billy filing for bankruptcy, he didn't really know where to go. So he called his younger sister, Kathy, who set him up in a mobile home on her property in Ohio where he could spend his days painting and living a quiet life. In December 2014, Billy passed away at the age of 59 years old. He'd been out of the spotlight for a while. His sister, Kathy, emailed the Columbia Dispatch newspaper saying, He died of cancer last Friday. I believe he is finally at peace. There was another famous case involving multiple personality disorder. This is the case of Kenneth Bianchi, famously known as the Hillside Strangler. He managed to convince four different mental health professionals that his other ego, Steve Walker, had committed the murders. Finally, a psychologist told him they didn't believe him and they knew he was lying. It was then that he confessed that he made the whole thing up. In 1990, a woman was a guest on The Oprah Winfrey Show. Her name was Trudy Chase. Trudy had a really sad story. She had been sexually abused by her father since she was a small child. She, like Billy Milligan, had multiple personality disorder, except she had 92 different personalities. Each one had a name and a backstory. It's been years since I watched that episode, but I'm almost positive that none of her personalities were violent. Some were very sad, though. She ended up becoming a successful author and was able to start a family. In fact, her daughter said growing up having Trudy as her mom was wonderful. She says when she would come in the door after school, she never knew which person was going to greet her. Trudy died in 2010 at the age of 74. 
That's it for this week, and I'll see you all again soon. Take care, and much love to you all.